0: This is Marketing Jam, a show featuring the brightest minds in marketing. Marketing Jam is brought to you by Cyber Impact, the email marketing platform made specifically for Canadian small businesses. Go to cyberimpact.com forward slash jelly, create a free account, and start sending Castle compliant promotional emails in just a few clicks. Here's your host, Darian Kovac.
1: I want to welcome you to Marketing Jam. I am really excited for today because we have a retail expert uh, for the country of Canada. We work with a lot of retailers. Uh, I know a lot of people who own uh, retail outlets and we have the expert on all things retail in Canada. He is probably blushing now, but we are uh, we're really privileged to have him on the show, Craig Patterson, the editor in chief from Retail Insider. So Craig, thank you for being here. We're really uh, honored to have you on the show and uh, we're going to jump right in, if that's okay. We want to hear about your origin story and how you got into the position and the place that you're in right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, so I've was been interested in retail ever since I guess I was a kid. My aunt got me interested, uh, I was going to play hockey in Minneapolis and she suggested I check out some of the stores downtown and Minneapolis at that time had a very uh, robust downtown retail scene. It had about Six or seven department stores and a lot of other stores. It was really quite exciting and something we didn't really see even in Canada at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, unfortunately, Minneapolis doesn't have uh, the you know the best shopping, uh, but it's you know American cities have changed. But uh, I continued on with that uh, interest, I think, throughout school, and uh, I didn't realize that I could really have a career involved in in the retail industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always taught, you know, go to school, be a professional. So I went to law school and. Mm-hmm did that for a number of years as a career, and then uh, I just started writing about retail. Someone encouraged me to do it because I was always talking about it, and I uh, started a blog, I guess, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't really meant to be anything more than just a hobby and something for fun, and it's grown to become Canada's most-read retail industry publication, which is really quite, I think, shocking and humbling Mm -hmm. that I was able to do that.
1: That's, that's amazing, so uh, I'd love to know, um, just kind of your uh, you know, day-to-day, I know you, you hold a lot of titles, what else do you do besides being the editor-in-chief uh, of uh, Retail Insider?
0: Yeah, I do a few things. Um, it's sort of in a consulting capacity. Uh, one of them, I work for Retail Council of Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do special projects. I just finished the Canadian Shopping Centre study for 2000, and technically for 2018. It's uh, been released in 19, but it you know looks at the entire year. Uh, I'm also the uh, director of applied research at the university of Alberta school of retailing. So we do a few fun things there. Uh, we're looking at doing a student project here soon. We're just applying for some uh, grant money. I believe that's the stage we're at and uh, some freelance consulting. I, I yeah. like real estate and somehow I got to, uh, Wrangled in to do uh, real estate related work primarily commercial real estate So I was working on a couple of projects in Vancouver. I wish I could talk about them But they're they're confidential, yeah. but they're actually really big like they'll transform parts of the city So uh, we'll see how that wow. turns out
1: <laughs> Wow, it's really really exciting now jumping on a personal level. Are you a Apple or Android guy? Apple Apple. And what are some of the favorite apps that you use on the daily? Oh, you mean like apps on my phone? It's funny that yeah. I'm
0: gonna sound like guy talking I should just show them all. There's lots. There's <laughs> you know, it's funny. My, I mean, my favorite ones, these are silly, but, you know, I've got Instagram on here, which I've never actually posted. Um, I've got Uber and Lyft. That's something yeah. people in Vancouver, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. don't have access to in their own city, right? Yeah. And uh, Slack, because, you know, we use that as our work program. And then um, Shazam, if I want to know, you know, what song I'm listening to. And mm-hmm. actually, one of my favorites, I haven't gone through it too much, but... Um, I started downloading the apps for department stores. Uh, Mm. I got the Galleries Lafayette and Printemps in Paris, and you can go floor by floor look at the floor plans. I find that really, really fascinating. Everybody should be doing that.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Now, uh, being that you're uh, an editor, I'm curious to know what sort of uh, books or podcasts or magazines that you follow and that you consume uh, as a reader and that you'd recommend to others.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, as far as books, and I haven't actually read it all yet, but uh, Andrew Jennings, who at one time, among other things, ran Holt Renfrew came out with a book mm-hmm. that said, uh, I think it's almost good is not good enough. I'd have to get the exact mm-hmm. title. But, um, uh, you know, it's, I'm still in the middle of it. It's, it's really quite an interesting book. Um, you know, day to day, because a lot of what I do is very much applied. And it's, you know, it's what's happening in the industry. Um, I find uh, it's called, oh, you know, WWD or Women's Wear Daily. That publication is phenomenal. It's based out of New York City. Um, absolutely brilliant. It's huge. It's almost too much information. Well, it is for me to take in every day, but you all know, I'll take in selective bits, which I think is quite fascinating. And then there are a lot of different news, uh, you know, channels out there, be it you know, Retail Dive or. Uh, there there are you know a few really really interesting ones out there um, NRF sends out a number of emails and I'm constantly scouring those that's the National Retail Federation I should say mm-hmm. and uh, Retail Council of Canada puts out an email each week which uh, summarizes the news in Canada and it uh, does a pretty good job as well
1: that's awesome and any podcasts that you listen to?
0: No but we're going to be launching podcasts I, uh, I'm a little unsophisticated with some of my technology so I uh, Myself haven't yet been listening to them, um, but it's funny that without, you know, being a devoted listener, I'll be producing
1: them. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. So do you want to speak to the trend of um, like Indochino and Clearly, which is, you know, used to be Clearly Contacts, now Clearly, um, both of them were digital only and then they you know went back and actually they built retail shops and recently I was down in Seattle and actually went to the Amazon go retails you know pop-up shop right or, and but I guess it's permanent now so do you want to speak to e-commerce uh, kind of behemoths going into bricks and mortar and what does that mean for for other bricks and mortars
0: yeah I think it's really interesting because I think that a lot of these online brands you know we thought that they would just be online and we thought physical stores would close yeah. and we're seeing just the opposite we're seeing uh, online brands opening stores so you mentioned mm-hmm. the indochino out of vancouver clearly contacts i'm actually funny enough wearing an indochino jacket and wearing like clearly contact eyes <laughs> I go, contact and this, is an,
1: this is an indochino shirt so ah,
0: that's great because yeah they're getting into the more uh, casual where they're doing chinos and uh yeah yeah <laughs> and um you know warby parker is the uh, eyewear brand out of the united states you know they're doing tremendous sales with stores. Uh, I think it was the International Council of Shopping Centers. they put together a study that said that um, there's a real drive uh, you know in either direction with when online retailers open stores, they're able to drive traffic uh, and sales to both channels. So mm-hmm. you know people are walking into the stores and buying stuff, but they're also mm-hmm. buying more stuff online. So mm-hmm. I think that you know a way for one of many ways for brands to engage with consumers mm-hmm. is face to face. and uh, that may not necessarily mean that, you know they need a permanent storefront but mm-hmm. having some sort of at least temporary interaction i think lend, lends to credibility in a way that you know some uh brand that is a sort of you know off in cyberspace may not be able to do so uh brands for example bcbg the women's brand uh you know the fashion line you know one of my concerns is you know they have gone i think mostly or completely online and mm-hmm. i don't think they're going to be around in a few years unless there's something i don't know but uh, you know I, I think that they need physical stores uh, you know people still want to try stuff on and you know people you know i'm thinking the, the women that shop there they bring a friend along and you know try things on and there's a social experience there and you don't really get that online so you know i wish them well but i don't think we're going to see bcbg BC in a couple of years
1: yeah Speaking to um, the retailers that are listening or those that are marketing for retailers, um, give it like a, a you know, furniture uh, store that's bricks and mortar or like a mattress store, for example. What are ways that you're seeing people actually come into the stores? I know with the trends of Endy and, and Wayfair, but what are you seeing the wins? What are you seeing that they're doing that's just unique when it comes to retail and saying, come into our physical location?
0: Well, I've toured a couple of the Casper stores. They're both in Toronto. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, Casper, it uh, started in I think it, was, it started in 2012. It's a mattress in a box. So basically, you get this, and I have, I have an indie uh, bed myself. But
1: nice, very Keep good. It Canadian.
0: <laughs> Keep it Canadian, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, it comes in a, a large, fairly large box, but it's not mm-hmm. nearly you know as large as say when you buy a mattress uh, like my old mattress from my IKEA. You know that was hard to move mm-hmm. around. Um, you know this was shipped to my uh, building, and you know the mm-hmm. staff brought it up to my apartment. It wasn't that hard to carry, and I was able to unpack it. So um, with the stores, like, say, with Casper, for example, uh, they've created these really interesting environments. It's it's not a high-pressure place, Mm -hmm. but you go in and you have an experience. So they've got these different sort of nap rooms. There's these different Mm -hmm. rooms with beds and furniture, and... Um, It's all themed around sleep. And Mm. in the case of the downtown Toronto location, uh, it starts with sort of a daytime theme closer to the front of the stores which has the windows and, like, you know, good morning. And then towards the back of the store, it's sort of a good night theme. And um, I found that really interesting because, you know, if people are a fan of the brand or they're, Mm. you know, potentially a fan of the brand, I think that a store like that could actually push them over the edge and and have them buy a product. So I would think that a brand like Andy – which was recently bought out by Sleep Country Canada. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some sort of um, retail, whether or not it would be within a Sleep Country store. That would be smart because there'd be far less cost for real estate mm. uh, versus, say, leasing, uh, you know, your own inline store space. But uh, we may see indie stores as well. I mean, we interviewed, uh, you know, one of the founders, and they said that retail uh, was in the cards at some point. But again, with that buyout, you know, maybe they're shifting strategy. We'll have to see.
1: And when it comes to malls, like what are the what are the tricks and tips that you're seeing with malls across the country when it comes to getting people to come to the physical mall?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of competition with malls right now, but yeah. we're also seeing a polarization. So, yeah. you know, best malls, if you want to call it that, are just getting better. Our landlords are investing in them mm-hmm. and trying to see these secondary malls, you know, they can serve a purpose in the community, but some of them are actually worth more demolished and redeveloped. So, you know, it really depends. Uh, Yorkdale Shopping Centre, you know, I did the Retail Council of Canada study and Toronto's Yorkdale Centre came out number one again. And, you know, it's yeah. approaching $2,000 a square foot in revenue uh, and it's approaching $2 billion a year in sales. So I guess the question is, you know, what are they doing right? It's, it's always mm-hmm. good to look at a best case scenario and something mm-hmm. successful and try to learn from it. And, you know, what that shopping centre has done is, um, you know, it's got nice looking interiors uh, the washrooms are fairly clean. Um, it's at least reasonably access- accessible. Mm-hmm. I know that that's an issue sometimes even in that mall, but it's got vehicle access. There's transit access. But uh, I think that one of the most important things is the right mix of stores. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about experiential retail. In the case of Yorkdale, they don't, you know, say, have an entertainment center. They will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and uh, they're keeping some details uh you know, close and, uh, you know, some of it's confidential, but, um, it, regardless, because the mall is already very, very successful. What they've done is they've compiled, uh, you know, some of the world's best brands. And, mm-hmm. uh, what we've seen with that is they've done some very, very high end brands. So, well, the two, the two types of brands that are doing super high sales at Yorkdale, cause I do get some of the sales numbers are, you know, the, the Tesla Canada goose and the Apple store, Apple stores yeah. always do really all wherever they are pretty much. But then it's the luxury stores, you know, it's the, uh, uh, Saint Laurent you know um, Bulgari i think who's doing really high sales Montclair is doing extremely high mm-hmm. numbers um, you know these are very high end brands and what we're seeing is um, if you put a bunch of brands together t- sort of like a one stop shop mm-hmm. and if they're doing it at the high end you're going to have wealthy people who travel literally from around the world to shop and mm-hmm. so we're having a lot tourists for example coming into a mall like Yorkdale and they're shopping there and uh, you got people lined up at the Canada Goose store and you know I saw tape on the ground for the Burberry store Burberry had some sort of a promotion and you know speaking about having get, how to get people into malls I think again having something unique and new and different and fresh is really important and uh, you know some brands individually are going to have something that uh, people want they may you know have it for a limited period of time or yeah. or you know have it in a pop-up and uh, I mean, pop-up retail is huge. Uh, Mm -hmm. We predicted that 2018 would be the year of the pop-up, and I think that 2019 will be even more so. And I think we're going to see department stores even doing more pop-ups because Mm. uh, the benefit to a department store, people think that department stores are dying. And for the most part, I do agree because I don't think they're doing it right. Mm. Uh, But I think that, you know, if you look at, say, a Selfridges in London where they've got all these different activations, anytime you go in there, there's something new and interesting. you're probably not going to say that in your local Hudson Bay and your local mall. But, um, you know, Selfridge is is just this really, it's a department store in the United Kingdom, for those who don't know. And uh, in mm-hmm. London, it, uh, there's actually four of them. But uh, I'm thinking about the Oxford Street Store. It's really mm-hmm. an inter, a large format entertainment center. And mm-hmm. if, uh, you know, local retailers like, say, Hudson's Bay were able to, you know, emulate that to some degree, mm-hmm. I think that they would see a lot more success. But that is a mix of you know brand activations uh things that are exciting and then a mix of really popular brands and you know the most productive malls and stores quite often are selling expensive stuff so okay. i think it just goes to show that you know rich people are consuming and you know maybe the middle class isn't so much middle class is quite stretched in a lot of ways we've got record level debt uh, you know amongst families in canada uh We've got, you know, incomes have stagnated to a degree, uh, or at least on the average, I should say, uh, the cost of housing, both renting and owning uh, are at record high levels. So, mm. you know, it's tough. Uh, you know, people don't have as much discretionary income. But at mm. the same time, there's a segment of the population that's quite wealthy that continues to get wealthier. I think Canada's becoming more like the United States in that respect. And mm. so what we are seeing is a lot of very expensive stores open in Canada, and uh, they're doing very well. Um, now, granted, I have heard in Vancouver, uh, sales for the fourth quarter of 2018 uh, were down with the luxury stores, and I mm. think that's partly a result of um, some things happening in China, uh, mm. as well as, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think it is primarily China. I think that's mm. where the issue, and this is before the whole uh, Huawei incident.
1: Mm. You now, when you look at um, every Black Friday, there's always a you know a chart that comes out that says you know this how much uh, you know products were bought online you know Amazon Walmart dot com etc. Um, what does it mean? What, what does that mean to you when you see that post Black Friday when it comes to retail bricks and mortar versus online retail?
0: Well, this year was a weird year because Canada Post went on strikes, so I threw all my uh, <laughs> threw all my ideas out the window. Typically, if we didn't have that strike, you know, we would have seen you know, probably physical retail sales typically being strong. Um, mm-hmm. People are still looking for a bargain, even though we have, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people have less discretionary income, you know, so people still have a wish list and still yeah. will buy. People are going into debt and probably are still doing that, unfortunately. But um, we also typically would have forecasted with uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday was an increase in, you know, online sales. That would be typically what we'd expect. However, um, you know, the Grinch that was Canada Post, uh You know, there was a strike. Uh, You know, it was—I mean, both sides, I I think, would be to blame, you know, to a degree. And uh, uh, for example, I I did a lot more in-store shopping than I did online uh, over the holidays because I was concerned that my stuff wouldn't get there in time. You know, sending gifts to people—it was, you know, I sent electronic gift cards. I mean, emails weren't on strike, but. Uh, and yet, uh, I, I want to see some of the final numbers. Canada, we don't quite—we're uh, not quite as on the ball data-wise, I say, compared to the United States. But I, I would suspect online shopping was was down quite a bit for that fact that you know people didn't think the uh, items would get to uh, their intended destination in
1: time. Yeah. So Craig, uh, if you were sitting across from me and I owned uh, four retail locations um, selling something that you don't typically buy online, so it'd be like furniture, for example, so like couches and sofas, you know, it, you know, article might try to argue with that, that, you know, people <laughs> will buy it online, but, but typically it's something that you would want to sit in right? And experience before you buy. So what are maybe the top three things that you're seeing when it comes to marketing and promotions? I know you've mentioned pop-ups and experiential stuff, which maybe those are part of your three, but what would you say are the top three things that I should be spending my marketing budget on in 2019 to get people to come into my my physical stores?
0: Oh, you probably need some sort of a uh, young, pretty celebrity to uh, sit there and post something on Instagram. No, (laughs) but
1: (laughs) (laughs) like the fire festival, right? Like, is that what you're? Well, yeah. Well,
0: that too. I mean, except hopefully, you know, you actually can get Delivered. the product. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a yeah. scam. But um, like that festival, you know, uh, allegedly was. I don't think it's allegedly. I think it was. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's interesting because you know, for marketing dollars, how do you get in front of uh, the consumer? um You know, influencer marketing. That's one way of doing it. I don't think that's the best way, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think certainly getting the messaging out there um, sometimes strangely enough, media partnerships uh, yeah. is something I'm seeing more and more uh, with marketing lately, and that includes with you know a couple of businesses I own you know we've got companies yeah. approaching us as well. Um, I don't want to say holding a sale because you know sales are definitely not something that's new, but I think that at this time of you know unprecedented competition and retail, yeah. people are still being price conscious or at mm-hmm. least you know segments of the population are and Um, I think being able to offer that, uh, um, you know, is a good price, but I think ultimately building a level of trust and um, building a a rapport with the consumer is important because Mm -hmm. with a piece of furniture, for example, if you're buying, you know, an expensive sofa, I mean, most Mm -hmm. of them are in the hundreds or not, you know, in the thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, giving up messaging that this is of a high quality item, I think Uh, having a way for people to try it out and this is where i was surprised article is doing so well um article is Mm -hmm. online furniture retail for those Mm -hmm. who don't know based out of vancouver that has seen explosive growth Mm -hmm. and um you know for myself i think i would have liked to seen something uh physically like i you know i had a sofa actually made for me and Mm -hmm. um you know i went with the samples and uh you know i I just you having that tangible uh uh, feel to something for me anyways just gives me a bit more confidence in what I'm buying and mm-hmm. um, one way or the other having some sort of a uh, physical uh, presence and say for example you know an online furniture retailer uh, to do some sort of pop-up stores or something I mean that might work or even some sort of a collaboration with another brand and furn- mm-hmm. like literally furnish the space for a temporary period of time and saying these are some of our wearers you know check mm-hmm. them out what do you think so
1: those are great yeah. ideas so 2019, you mentioned what 2018 was uh, for the year of the retail. What do you think 2019 is going to be for the for the retailer this year? What's the theme? I hope it's
0: not the year of the closures. I'm starting to hear some mm. bad news, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to be seeing some retail chains pull out of Canada. I think Things were Remembered is just about to go bankrupt. Uh, mm. uh, and you know we're doing this uh, uh, you know uh, talk at the end of January, and uh, t- you know tomorrow, for example, I believe Gene Machine closes its last stores. Mm shoes, I don't think has any stores open anymore. Or if they do, they're just, you know, piddling out their last few pairs of mm-hmm. shoes before they shut the doors. Uh, we've seen a few store closures. And uh, I don't think that's going to be the trend overall for 2019. But, you know, I I talk to industry insiders. You know, we have quiet mm-hmm. conversations. And one of them who's very well known and knows a lot said he was very worried about 2019. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, this is a time for retailers to really be on the ball and, and you know, okay. Be on their a game, because I think that you know, with the competition we've seen coming in, um, in 2017, more than 50 international retailers came into Canada by opening stores. Um, I did my count for uh, 2018, and it was like just over 30. I haven't published an article yet, and uh, you know, we'll see quite a few this year. So, you know, that's a lot of new players coming into the market. Canada's population isn't growing that fast, and people are, you know, wealth isn't growing that quickly. So. You know, these retailers are just going to be you know, potentially taking market share from each other. So, you know, it is a survival of the fittest. And it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out.
1: So, Craig, if people want to stay, uh, you know, have a finger on the pulse with all things retail in Canada, where can they find uh, information about Retail Insider and, and more information from you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've got a website, www.retail-insider.com. And uh, we've got social media as well, if people are interested. We do two things in the publication. We've got uh, our own, you know, original content uh, that we push out. uh, And then we also do an aggregate news from around the web. So what we do every day is we do a search of what's happening with other news sources because there are a lot of really great news sources out there. And, you know, we don't have the bandwidth to report everything. So, you know, we'll credit those sources and post links to their articles as well. And really what we're just trying to do is... uh, provide a tool for uh, those that are interested in what's happening in the industry to hopefully, you know, get something convenient, fast, and uh, practical because, you know, there are a lot of news sources out there that are, uh, I mean, they're all over the place. If you think about it, the Globe and Mail might report a little bit of retail here and there, but they're reporting a lot of other stuff. You know, CBC is going to have something, TV, radio. We try to amalgamate that all together as a service. So, uh, you know, and hopefully we're doing a good job. I get a lot of compliments. So probably we are.
1: Craig, will you ever go down the route of the whole... Uh, in Vancouver, it was Olsen on your side or CBC Marketplace where you do, like, the investigative journalism when it comes to, like, bad retailers or people doing shady stuff?
0: Maybe. Um, Maybe.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> we okay. Yes.
0: Um, I think that's in the cards. We won't be doing it a lot, but okay. there are two things. I, I, and I could talk about a couple of things if we've got time. Um, yeah. Number one, we broke the story on Miniso. Uh, Miniso is a... Um, they, you know, said that they were a uh, Japanese retailer. Of course, uh, we now know that they're Chinese. The Chinese parent company uh, tried to put the Canadian division into bankruptcy because they accused the Canadian division of fraud, basically. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, and uh, well, the reason we reported on that, it's not something typically that we would have done, but we're going to do a little bit more, is really as a public service. Because if, say, a landlord... An employee or you know a supplier is able to get to the company prior to a bankruptcy they've got more options than after a bankruptcy yeah. so you know we put that out there and uh, again i'm starting to see companies that you know i question their ethics and you know should that be exposed i think so i mean mm-hmm. uh, you've probably seen this it, it, we, you know they target women a lot more but say you're in a mall or on a street mm-hmm. um, you've got these retailers who uh, well, you got people, they're standing out there, they'll give you a sample. They say, come into our store, and then they'll do a test yeah. on your hand. They'll do yeah. this, you know, Ooh, we're exfoliating your hand. We're this.
1: What it really is,
0: I mean, a lot of this is a scam. Um, you know, Orogold, for example, is one of the retailers that does this. Uh, Opatra, which is, you know, this. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but what they're doing is they're putting a saline solution on your hand. The cream that they put on, you know, it looks like it's soaking in, but it's just sort of dissolving with the saline solution. Mm. And then they're selling massively overpriced stuff. And Mm. there was, you know, I heard about a woman in Hamilton, Ontario with Down syndrome, you know, who was scammed out of over $1,000 worth of her money. You know, she was on disability payments and didn't know better. And Mm. to me, you know, that's for full retail. I mean, retail should be a positive experience that offers, you know, goods or services that people can utilize and if someone's taking advantage of someone else i don't think that's right and i think i'm willing to go on the record to expose that
1: it's awesome it was recently um haley wooden from business in vancouver did a big expose on uh, yellow pages and what it's been doing to retailers and small businesses across the country it was, oh haley's
0: yeah. article was incredible i thanked her on twitter it was just like wow that's one of the best things i have read in a while yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah haley's amazing i mean because you know i do i do a podcast with her and some other people some you know with business in vancouver sometimes yeah. and um, yeah, no, I, I think that was phenomenal. And I mean, again, you know, I think, you know, if what she reported is true, I'm always careful with my wording in that respect, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's highly unethical on the part of Yellow Pages and, you know, they're willing people ransom. I mean, that's practically extortion if it isn't. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think that things like that do need to be exposed and probably we'll be doing a little bit more of that selectively, you know, only for those that deserve it. I mean, we're not out to ever harm anybody. Um, yeah. I I don't know if I believe in karma, but I definitely believe that doing good things results in good things. But sometimes reporting stuff like that is actually a service and is a
1: good thing. Awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that a lot of our listeners um, have retail shops. They work in retail. They market for retailers. And I think they are looking for answers and and looking for some direction. So I really appreciate um, your insight. Again, if you want more information, check out Retail Insider. Uh, This was Craig. Uh, thank you so much for your insights today, and we look forward to seeing more insights and practical ideas and support and data uh, throughout the years to come.
0: Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on today. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now.
1: Cool. Thanks again for watching Marketing Jam. Uh, it's been really exciting doing these remote recordings. People from all over the world, experts who are willing and able to share their insights with all of us uh, on Marketing Jam. Until next time, thanks for listening to Marketing Jam. If you enjoyed the show, head over to our YouTube or Facebook and give us a thumbs up and visit iTunes to leave a rating and review. Thanks again, and see you next time.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.